G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. This podcast is made available by Vision Christian Media, thanks to the generosity of our supporters. Your donation today means great podcasts like this remain available to help people look to God daily. Please make your donation today at vision.org.au. We know Jesus gave his life so that we could have life. But why did he do that? Today, Pastor Greg Laurie points us to Scripture. Hebrews chapter 12, For the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame. The joy. What was the joy that was set before him? It was every one of you. He went to the cross thinking of you, knowing that this was the only way that we could be forgiven of our sins. This is the day when the lost are found. reality is most people are tuned into a certain mental radio station WIIFM well that stands for what's in it for me every thought is measured against that question what's in it for me today on a new beginning in a good Friday message Pastor Greg Laurie points out that Jesus attitude was just the opposite he willingly gave his life and not for a return on investment he laid down his life just for us while we were yet sinners Christ died for us I want you to grab your Bible. I hope you have a Bible or open the Bible app on your phone or tablet and go over to Hebrews chapter 12. And the title of my message is Dealing with Discouragement. You know, it's interesting we call this Good Friday, but it doesn't seem all that good, does it? Imagine what it was like for them. I mean, remember, uh, the apostles had not read uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. <laughs> they didn't know how the story ended. They were living at real time. And in their minds, they thought Jesus, the Messiah, had come to overthrow the Roman government and establish the kingdom of God on earth. That's what Palm Sunday was about. Remember, they're singing Hosanna, which means save now. Like, yes, the moment has come. Do it, Lord. But he was not on his way to overthrow Rome. He was on his way to die on the cross. And then when it actually happened, even though he spoke of it constantly, he would say, the Son of Man is going to be betrayed and then he's going to be crucified. You know, rise again three days later. That's pretty clear. But yet when it happened, they couldn't believe it. And their world, as they knew it, ended overnight. They couldn't see any light at the end of the tunnel. But there is light at the end of the tunnel. There was for them because Christ rose, and we'll celebrate that Sunday. And there's light at the end of our tunnel. This whole quarantine is gonna come to an end. We're gonna get out again. Uh, we don't know what the new normal is gonna look like, but I know what we need to be doing in the meantime, and that thing we should be doing is right here in Hebrews 12. It says, therefore, uh, and by the way, whenever you read the word therefore in the Bible, find out what it's there for. 
So the author of Hebrews, who many believe to be Paul, uh, is drawing on what has just been said. So what is before Hebrews 12? Obviously Hebrews 11. What's Hebrews 11? We call it the Heroes Hall of Faith. It's all these great men and women of God that persevered through hardship. Hardship a lot worse than we're going through right now, as bad as it is for some. And so in light of that, or therefore, since we're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, so the author of Hebrews is saying, looking at the example of these great men and women of God we read about in Hebrews 11 that persevered, in light of that fact in this great cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin that so easily ensnares us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. And you might want to underline this verse, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of your faith. This verse is speaking to those who are disappointed and discouraged. So these disciples were very discouraged on this first Good Friday. Their master, their Lord, their friend had been brutally murdered in cold blood before their very eyes. And they were thinking, how does this fit into any plan? See, their hope had been defeated and their dreams had been destroyed. But then when they saw the big picture that this was all part of God's plan, then they were able to go on and literally change the world. So let me pick up on where I last left off, Hebrews 12, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and now has sat down on the right hand of the throne of God. It continues on, for consider him who endured such hostility against himself from sinners, lest you be wearied and discouraged in your soul. That phrase, consider him, can be translated, compare yourself with him. So contrast what he went through with what you're going through. I mean, he went through so much. First of all, he was abandoned by his own disciples and he was betrayed by another. Judas Iscariot betrayed Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. You know, it's an amazing thing that Jesus continued to offer his forgiveness to Judas. Don't forget he went into the upper room and washed all of the disciples' feet, including Judas Iscariot. Yet, Jesus being God knew exactly what Judas would do. If I knew Judas was gonna betray me, I would not have washed his feet. I would have broken his feet, right? And then amazingly, as Judas led that group of people, the temple guards, some Roman soldiers to arrest Christ in the Garden of Gethsemane, we read Jesus saying to him, friend, why have you come? It was one last opportunity for Judas to believe. But you know, it, it really hurts when a friend betrays you, doesn't it? Zechariah thirteen six says, one shall say unto him, what are these wounds in your hands? And he will answer, these are the wounds I received in the house of my friends. His own friends betrayed him effectively or at least abandoned him and Judas betrayed him. But the worst was yet to come. Prior to the actual crucifixion, Jesus was scourged. This has been described by experts as the halfway crucifixion. It was so brutal many people did not survive it. Because this, this uh, device the Romans used, this uh, this whip wasn't just a basic whip. It had multiple strands embedded with uh, metal and glass. 
So when it tore into the person's back, it would rip initially at the flesh and then it would rip in deeper, exposing vital organs ultimately. And the blood loss was so great that many would not survive it. Jesus was whipped 39 times. And there was a reason for that, by the way, and I'll bring it up in a few moments. But then he had to carry his cross after losing all of that blood and having his back ripped open to be crucified on. And they nailed those spikes into his hands and his feet and they elevated it. And ultimately he cried, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Okay, but why did he keep going on? We're talking about why we should keep going on. We should keep going on because we should be looking to Jesus. See, whatever you're facing right now, Remember, Jesus is with you. Jesus can help you cope with your anxiety and your fears and your depression. The Bible says you should cast all of your care upon Him for He cares for you. That's what keeps us going. But what kept Jesus going? The answer is right here again in Hebrews 12. For the joy that was set before Him, He endured the cross, despising the shame. The joy. What was the joy that was set before Him? Ready for the answer? It was every one of you. As Paul said, he loved me and gave himself for me. He went to the cross thinking of you, knowing that this was the only way that we could be forgiven of our sins. Jesus told a story of a shepherd who had a hundred sheep and one went astray. So he left the 99 and sought out that stray sheep until he found it and came back wrapped, having it wrapped around his neck and he was rejoicing. And then Jesus said, there's more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents and over 99 people who need no repentance. The joy. And that's the joy. The joy was knowing what the cross would accomplish. You're listening to A New Beginning with Pastor Greg Laurie from Harvest Ministries in California, USA. And he's presenting a message today called Dealing with Discouragement helping us to prepare our hearts for Easter. Let's continue. Now look at verse 3. Consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. That's what kept him going. This is what will keep you going, looking to Jesus. So we're in a race, right? And in this race, we want to run to win. I know the popular trend uh, with kids in athletics today is there's no winner, there's no loser. We're all winners. That's ridiculous. There's winners and losers in every soccer match, every baseball game, and in every race. We should run to win. And our motivation is doing it for the Lord. I know when I used to run track and field as a kid in high school, if there was a pretty girl watching me, that always motivated me. So uh, I, have a, <laughs> I have a better motive for you than a pretty girl. Uh, do it for Jesus because one day he's going to reward you for your faithfulness. That, that's why we do what we do. It isn't for applause. It isn't for notoriety or fame. Listen, God has not called us to be famous. He's called us to be faithful. And we just want to hear him say in that final day, well done, good and faithful servant. So it's looking to Jesus, keeping your eyes on him. And it also means that we shed excess baggage. Look at verse one. Lay aside every weight and the sin that so easily besets you. A weight is anything that slows you down. 
uh, in the race of life. So it's good to periodically look at things that you're involved in and ask yourself the question, is this a wing or is it a weight? Does it speed me up in the race of life or does it slow me down? Uh, This relationship, does this make me want to get closer to God or does it pull me away from God? Is there anything I need to lay aside so I'm not being slowed down in the race of life? But look at verse three. Consider Jesus. Why should I consider Jesus? I should consider Jesus because he never stopped considering me. I should look to Jesus because he's always looking out for me and I should live for Jesus because he died for me. And where is Jesus? Look at verse two. Who for the joy that was set before me endured the cross despising the shame and now has sat down on the right hand of God. Isn't that interesting? He's seated at the right hand of the Father but yet I know of one time in the Bible where Jesus stood up. Stephen was put to death by stoning because he boldly proclaimed the gospel and he stood before the Sanhedrin and suddenly he had a vision of heaven and he says, I see Jesus standing at the right hand of the Father. And the Bible says his face was shining like an angel. That's interesting to me. He's normally sitting, but in the case of Stephen, he was standing, effectively welcoming him into heaven. Mm. Let me ask you this. Are you gonna be welcomed into heaven? I mean, I can't imagine going through life without the assurance that I'll go to heaven when I die. Do you have that assurance right now? I sure hope so. Because that is why Jesus died on the cross so you could be forgiven of your sin and know that you will go to heaven when you die. Okay, there's another thing you should be doing in addition to considering Jesus. You should be remembering Jesus. What do I mean by that? When Jesus was in the upper room with his disciples for what we call the Last Supper, Uh, he was not his normal jovial self. And you guys, I think Jesus was a joyful person. And you know, usually when we see him portrayed in religious art, he's never smiling, rarely. And he looks kind of wimpy too. You know, but we know from scripture, look, he had to be a pretty strong guy. He carried his cross, endured the scourging. Even Pontius Pilate said, behold the man. So I think Jesus was a man's man without a question. I think he was also a joyful man. And I think when he got together uh, with his disciples, they had fun, they laughed together, they enjoyed it, but they could see that there was something going on with Jesus. They didn't know it was the Last Supper, but he did. And then he took the bread, and then he took the cup, and he said, do this in remembrance of me. Why should I do this in remembrance of him? Because he for a moment has never forgotten about me. Let me say something now about communion. It's really for believers only. You know, we're told to take these elements in remembrance of him. In the upper room, Jesus took the bread. He said, this is my body which is broken for you. Take and eat of this. And then he took the cup and he said, drink this cup and do this in remembrance of me. The Apostle Paul elaborates on this and tells us when we receive the elements of communion that we should not do so in, in a reverent manner. King James's unworthy manner. What it means is, I understand that they represent these elements, the bread and the cup, the broken body and the shed blood of Christ. Now, we don't believe in transubstantiation here, which means that the bread literally becomes the flesh of Jesus or the 
juice becomes the blood of Jesus, but we believe that they do symbolize his broken body and his shed blood. So you don't want to do this in a cavalier way. You know, I think sometimes people receive communion and they'll say, well, you know, a little religion would do me some good. Listen, you don't need a little religion. You need a lot of Jesus. And this thing that we do, which is a very precious thing for us as believers, is for that, believers, those who have put their faith in Christ. And Paul actually says, if you receive the elements of communion without believing in the one they represent, you can actually eat and drink judgment to yourself. So let me pause for a moment and say this. Are you sure right now that Jesus Christ is living in your life? Are you certain right now that if you were to die, you would go to heaven? If the answer to those questions is no, I would like to lead you in a prayer where you can ask Jesus to come into your life and then celebrate communion with us. So if you want your sin forgiven, if you want your guilt taken away, if you want to know that you'll go to heaven when you die, if you want this friendship, this relationship with God, or if you've fallen away and you want to come back to the Lord, why don't you just pray with me right now, a simple prayer. Just pray these words, Lord Jesus. I know that I'm a sinner, but I know that you're the Savior who died on the cross for my sin and rose again from the dead. Now come into my life, Jesus. I choose to follow you from this moment forward. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Pastor Greg Laurie, closing with an important prayer from a Good Friday communion service. And if you've just prayed with Pastor Greg and you asked Jesus to be your Saviour, know that the Lord has heard you. And we'd love to send you some resource materials to help you in your new journey. Just ask for the New Believers Growth Packet when you call 1-800-PRAY-FOR-ME. That's 1-800-772-936. The team would also love to pray with you. That's 1-800-PRAY-FOR-ME. Well, next time, Pastor Greg points out that Easter isn't just for churchgoers. He points out that Easter is for everyone because we all need the hope of the resurrection. Tune in again tomorrow for a new beginning with Pastor Greg Laurie. For a copy of today's full message, get in touch with Vision Christian Store. It was called Dealing with Discouragement. Just go to visionstore.org.au or call 1-800-00-5011. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.